Welcome to the Field Target Podcast, Episode 17. This is Scott Allen, and welcome to another edition of the Field Target Podcast. We'd like to thank Thomas Air Rifles for their support of the show, and in light of our upcoming interview with Garrett Quackenstein of the Phoenix Air Gun Club talking about the 2017 Nationals, I want to remind everyone that Thomas Air is putting up $1,000 per rifle and $500 per pistol class for a win at this year's 2017 after Nationals in Phoenix, Arizona. So that means if you shoot a Thomas rifle and you win WFTF, you get a thousand. If you win open and shooting a Thomas rifle, you get a thousand. Same for Hunter, shooting a Thomas rifle, you get a thousand. And if you win in open pistol or Hunter pistol with a Thomas uh, field target pistol, you'll get five hundred dollars from Mike Nick. So that's a great opportunity for those uh, who are shooting. Thomas Guns and those who are interested in uh, Thomas Air Rifle or Thomas Pistol. More information about Thomas Air Rifles can be found at thomasrifles.com. Click on uh, the photographs and the descriptions there. Mike Nick's uh, his email is on there as well as his phone number. So let's get on with the show. So on tonight's episode of the Field Target Podcast, I'm going to welcome Garrett Quackenstein. He is the president of the Phoenix Air Gun Club, which is the host of the 2017 Field Target Nationals. Welcome to the show, Garrett. Hey, it's good to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you. And I know, uh, just like last year, there were lots of people interested in hearing from Chris Martin about the Nationals up in Michigan. And since the uh, since it's early in the year, and according to your website, we have about seven months um, 25 days to go before the Nationals. I thought I'd get you on and let you talk a little bit about what's happening out there, what the shooters can look forward to, and uh, and, and go over you know, those kinds of things. And again, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. So Garrett, um, tell me a little bit about you before we get into the, the, the club and the Nationals this year. Well, um, let's see here. A little bit of uh, history. I started shooting air guns. Actually, I was lucky enough to have parents that uh, bought me a nice little crossman when I was growing up. Uh, we had some property out in California that uh, was big enough that I had the opportunity to shoot pretty much on a daily basis, which, basis, which was just great. Um, then coming out here about uh, when I was about 20 years old, uh, you know, put the put the rifle away and, uh, you know, did the school thing and, you know, and discovered air guns a little bit later. Right. And then, so how did the Phoenix Club get started? Well, the Phoenix Club started in about 2009. It was a bunch of local shooters pretty much just wanting a place to shoot. Uh, they came to Rio Salada Sportsman's Club, which is one of our local ranges here. And we have we have a couple of them here in town. And uh, they came to Rio, started the club. And after a little bit, they Rio brought us in as a division and that's how the start of the Airgun Division started. So if I'm looking at um, a map of Phoenix. Where are you all located in reference to uh, uh, Phoenix? Northeast side, just north of Mesa. Okay. So, you know, I, I know on the, the website that you already got set up for the Nationals, you've got recommendations for hotels and those sorts of things. It looks like there's a lot 
that uh, is relatively near to the range. Is that right? Yeah, there's a couple places. Um, there's there's a few hotels. You know, the better quality hotels are a little bit of a distance. I'd say maybe about a 20, 30-minute drive. We're, there, there's one or two little gems in nearby the airport, uh, nearby Falcon Field. Uh, those go pretty quickly. Uh, those are like a timeshare that sometimes spills over into a hotel. We've got those on the website too for people to check out if they can get in for a good price. Okay. Okay. Um, and I will, I, I want to ask you before we get into the field target nationals, talk about some of the, uh, the, the events that your club has hosted and a little bit about the membership of your club, Garrett. Oh, good Lord. So Rio Slada Sportsman's Club has about 6,000 members. Um, we are one of 15 divisions at the range. Uh, we started, like I said, in about uh, 2009. Uh, we started with about nine shooters, primarily in bench rest. Uh, now we're, we're looking at about 130 to about 150 members uh, that shoot per month. We hold, um, we have about 11 matches, air gun matches per month. And it turns out, uh, I was just informed the other day, that we're about the third largest division uh, at Rio Salado. Wow. And when you have, when you say you have 11 air gun matches a month, is that bench rest, field target, anything else besides those two? You got it. It's a 10-meter pistol, 10-meter rifle, silhouette, bench rest 25 meters, 50 yards, 75 yards, 100 yards, and field target. Now, as the president of the club, are you out there with all of these matches, or do you have uh, people that are helping <laughs> you, for example, with 10-meter and, and so Yeah, we, we have a good group of people that are very involved in what we do. Um, some of the guys, we have our individual match directors that, uh, that handle the 10-meter, the silhouette. Um, I primarily run the 25-meter bench rest and the field target. Okay. And um, I know from, from preparing for the the show this evening that you've hosted uh, extreme bench rest the last few years, correct? Yeah, we've um, it started. I think extreme bench rest started back in about 2000. I want to say 2010 or so, um, and we've been involved in that since since inception. Wow. So you're used to as a club um, handling large numbers of shooters, right? Oh yeah, uh, big events. Um, large number of shooters uh you know most of our events i would say are in in the range of about 75 to 100 shooters okay and um so what what was the thinking behind uh asking the board of governors to to host the nationals well we were lucky enough at rio salado uh, they looked at our progress um again we were one of the fastest growing divisions there um they know the potential of air guns um and they were nice enough to grant us a 16-acre plot of land um, on the range uh, that was pretty much virgin territory uh, for um, for setting up field target. And so we set that up. We got a great range going. And since everything is in place, we thought we'd um, bring, it to, bring it to the country. Well, as someone who is calling from back east um, and talking to you from back east, uh, you know, I've I've seen some photographs, and it's going to be totally different than uh, than anything I've ever shot at before. Uh, so now is as good a time as as any to talk about what the uh, the course is going to look like and what shooters can expect if they show up for the nationals in November. The desert is a particularly uh, different environment. Um, winds here at Rio Slot are pretty prevalent. Um, 
they range anywhere from about five to 10, 15 miles an hour um, on the range itself. In the field target area, it's slightly in a lower elevation than the side end range. And so we do get a slight bit of relief. The, the heat does play a role. Um, typically the humidity out here is about 3%, sometimes 5%. Um, you know, of course, if it's raining, of course it's higher, but, uh, uh on an average sunny day, it's the lowest humidity you'll find in the country. Um, we've got uh, a lot of heat coming from the ground, so you might get some effect from that. Um, yeah, and that's, that's mostly about it. And one of the things that, uh, I, I had noticed from the pictures is that there's, there's frequently a um, sort of it's it's not a clear path frequently to your targets. The string seems to run over uh, brush and those sort of things. Is that is that going to be common there on the the lanes, or is that uh, unusual? At least from what I observed in the photos. One of the things that uh, we really pride ourselves on with this range is is because it is this this untouched Sonoran desert. Um, there's a lot of uh, bushes. It's just an absolutely gorgeous area. Of course, for the field target, everything is going to be, um, I, I wouldn't call it cleared, but uh, everything is going, there's going to be a, a pretty straight line of, of uh, targets for every lane. Okay. I hope I answered your question there. Right, right. Um, just one of the, I know, I think it's been, since been changed on your frequently asked questions, but at, at one point there, you were talking about um, shooters couldn't reset their own targets. And I was wondering what your thinking was on that and what the, uh, and, and, you know, and I know that changed now, correct? Yeah, it sure has. One of the practices that we really got into here um, was it was more of a, a gentlemanly thing. Uh, when, when our shooters are setting up um, and shooting, you know, typically we like to have our targets when we shoot our local matches in a configuration that requires the shooter to, I don't want to call it finding the target, but finding the right position. Um you know, the target may be covered with a little bit of foliage. Obviously, the kill zone wouldn't be. But, um, you know, throughout the shooter's box, when we do our monthly matches, um, somewhere in that box, uh, it's a 10-foot by 10-foot box, sometimes it's 12-foot, uh, that shot is available. And it's the shooter's responsibility, just like in hunting, to find that shot. And um, what we tried to carry on or what we wanted to carry on was that uh, – you know, that sportsmanship that when, when a shooter sits down to shoot, they can focus on the shooting and not have to get out of position to reach over to pull the strings. I see. And just asking about the box, I, I, I saw that also on your frequently asked questions list. Um, so is this a covered area on the ground that you're going to have? Uh, it's not covered, um, <clears throat> meaning it's, it's just on, it's just a regular dirt, but it's, um, we have canopies and some of the stations will have canopies. I meant to say, is, is it like a plastic mat on the ground, not a cover, not a tent or anything like that? Nope. It's straight on the ground. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, just what, on the ground. What outlines it? Is it, uh, is, is it just string? How do you, how can you identify the shooting box? We, um, there, all the shooting boxes are outlined with, uh, with pebbles and rocks, uh, for the national match, we're going to. We're gonna have them stringed off for clear clear identification. Okay, and 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 just to follow up on your last comment, <clears throat> are, are you saying that from there may there may be targets where you actually have to change position between target one and target two on a lane, or are you or has that even been worked out yet? Yeah, no, that won't happen for the nationals. For okay. the nationals, 
our our big priority is to work on the on the flow to make sure that the flow is efficient, uh, that we can get the the shooters through in a timely manner, and obviously to do that we want to make sure that uh, everything is pretty pretty straightforward. Okay, and um, how are you going to deal with the uh, up and down shots? Um, I, I know that from the photos it looks pretty flat. Are you going to put things up on on post, or is that yet to be worked out yet? Yeah, we're working on that. Um, you know, we've got some positions that uh, we'll be shooting into a defilade position. Not by much, um, but we are working on that, yes. Okay. Uh, anything else that uh, shooters might be interested in about the course layout, at least, you know, initially? I know it's early on in the process. And do you have, how many lanes do you have cut right now? Uh, right now, we still have our original 10 lanes. Mm -hmm. uh, we have... Um, Five other lanes mapped out. We're in the process of actually clearing that out, I think, probably beginning next weekend. And so the the Nationals event will have 30 lanes. Is that right? It'll have seven. It'll have 15 shooting pads, but it'll be 30 lanes. So each shooting pad, you will have, um, we'll, we'll break it down to, a, you know, the red lane and the yellow lane. Uh and the red lane will shoot from one corner of the shooting pad, and the yellow lane will shoot from the other corner of the shooting pad. I see. Okay. Great. And uh, I noticed, too, the number of shots is now 60, 60 per day, correct? Correct. And um, there was – how many and, – and how in your club in the past have you handled the standing and kneeling shots? Um. In, in what regard? Well, just do you do one lane, for example, that's just standing, or do you mix a standing with a kneeling shot in one lane, or, you know, just, I know clubs do it differently. Yeah, we, we typically will do one lane uh, for each um, in our club matches. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a lot of you know, life-experienced gentlemen here at our club, and typically they they may struggle with getting up and down, and so we, we want to keep their enthusiasm high so right. we don't want to challenge them too much and um what kind of weather uh, can we likely expect in november <laughs> well this is the best part i mean i think arizona has about 360 days of sunshine a year hopefully the five days of, of rain won't uh, won't happen but um in november we're pretty much looking at low 60s in the morning uh upper 80s in the afternoon it could peak up into the 90s by just before sunset okay okay and uh are you going to be using the the targets that afta has or at least incorporating those or has that been discussed yet yeah we'll be using afta's targets uh we have our own targets but uh due to the sheer numbers we'll be using both okay and uh will there be a separate pistol course or will it be part of the field target lanes uh, there, the field target, well, it's going to be integrated from, since field target is shooting, or uh, the pistol guys are shooting first, um, we will map out the course um, for the pistols, and then uh, after they shoot, we will reconfigure the same course for the rifles for I the see. next morning. So they'll be sharing at least some of the lanes from the rifle course um, from sat for Saturday and Sunday, right? Correct. And so uh, the scheduling right now, uh, so... You'll have the range open on Thursday, and there'll be registration available, right? Correct. And but is there anything official going on on Thursday that someone has to be there for? 
No, um, it's all optional. Uh, Thursday's optional. Uh, most of Friday is, um, but we got to get you registered by Friday before the end of the day. Uh, that gives us the opportunity to um, make sure that everybody gets their uh, their range information, uh, go over some safety stuff. You can pick up your swag bag, um, and then we have a good head count for the morning. Uh, but Thursday, uh, Thursday, it's it's a it's an opportunity uh, to sight in your rifle, just because. Uh, you know, people coming in from high humidity places, um, places with um, uh, different environmental conditions, uh, they're always a little bit shocked when they come out to the desert because the pellet acts a little differently. Um, and it's it's important for people to get that opportunity to um, to really fine tune their shooting. So how does it usually act? <laughs> <laughs> That's the million dollar question, isn't okay. it? Right. Um, right. You know, it's it's typically, you know, with the heat coming off the ground, uh, you know, you have to pay attention to that. It might lift your pellet up a little bit. Um, you know, with a thinner wind, what a three mile an hour wind is on the beach is going to be a little bit different than a three mile an hour wind here. Um, you know, you get the opportunity to see how the pellet behaves. Um, you know, it. Out here we've got foliage that um, – here's another little giveaway. Out here we've got foliage that's designed to, to be in 120-degree heat. Uh, so it's a little bit waxy. The, you know, We've got some cactus out here. Things don't move in the breeze as much as you would in the plains of, of Texas, for example. Um, but so what you would normally look to as indicators um, if you're in the forest with the trees – uh, blowing in the background, the grass, the grass uh, wisping in the winds. Sure, you may not have that here, um, so that's something you're going to have to get used to. All right. So, so you would recommend anybody that can get there Thursday, make sure the rifle's shooting like they expect it to, get used to the conditions, and uh, that sort of thing. Exactly. Okay. And I saw, you know, no range finders on the course, but they're okay at the side end range, right? Absolutely. Okay. And are you going to allow people to actually walk the rifle course on Thursday, or will it be off limits? Uh, what's how's that going to work? You know, it, it's it's that's still something up in the air. Um, I, obviously, we'd like to frown upon that because people could um, pull out their rangefinders when nobody's looking and uh, try to figure things out. And we obviously want to keep it as fair as possible. Sure. Understood. Um, so, what's going to be happening Friday? Well, Friday, uh, well, both Thursday and Friday, we're, you know, in our brand new Aragon building and going back to a little bit about Rio, um, since they've seen how much we've grown and how much we've, uh, you know, done with air guns at our range, they decided actually to invest into a half a million dollar air gun building for us, um, where we're going to primarily shoot, uh, uh, 10 meter pistol and rifle and also indoor bench rest. Right. Um, and that this building is actually just at the trailhead for where the field target area is, and um, it's a it's a multi-purpose type of building. So we could we're going to have most of our activities in that building. Um, and on both Thursday and Friday, we're planning on having a uh, sort of a an air gun expo, a vendor area for um, for all the vendors to come on out and show their stuff off. And uh, you know we'll be having some big names out there, and it it should be. Uh, pretty nice so that's definitely something you guys want to see if you're if you're planning on coming out thursday or friday you know there's uh there's going to be some hopefully some opportunities for some good deals to be made um on either one of those days so you kind of want to get there early to take advantage of that 
So you have vendors who are actually selling products and uh, have things available for the air gunners to buy and look at and handle and those sorts of things. Yep. Okay. Um, one thing I didn't see, you know, I was just curious about it. Uh, are you all going to have an, any sort of auction uh, that's happened in the past or are you getting away from that? No, um, we're going to have, uh, we're still working out again, the details on the, uh, an auction slash, uh, raffle slash, uh, you know, giveaway. So sure. it, we're working, we're, we're, we're it's going to be huge, but it's, um, we're working out the specifics on how we want to handle that. I know it's early on and I really would appreciate it. Maybe we can, uh, chat again here on the podcast, maybe in the September, October time frame as people are actually, uh, when it's right in front of them. Oh, absolutely. I, that shouldn't be a problem at all. You know, it's, uh, this is, this is slated to be a big event. Um, we've been really working hard on, on making sure that we can accommodate uh, a large number of shooters. We're really trying to make this a destination event. Um, you know, not just a, you know, a a shooting event for two days or three days, but, um, you know, something where, where people can take in the experience, um, of everything else in addition to the shooting. So what else is going to happen on Friday, Garrett? Well, um, the, the pistol match will be on Friday um, morning-ish. Uh, right now we have it scheduled at 11. Um, on Friday evening, um, we'll have the, uh, the after Board of Governors um, general meeting. Uh, that'll take place Friday instead of the typical Saturday. All that's going to happen in the, uh, the air gun building, is that right? Yep. Okay. And, um, and you've got to have everybody registered by the end of the day on Friday, correct? Yes. So, um, what, what's the preliminary schedule for the rifle match? Well, it looks like we're going to be starting the rifle match at about, um, everybody wants to be there at about eight o'clock in the morning. Um, we have, uh, the side in range open at seven. Uh, this gives you about 45 minutes of, of side in time on the side in range. Uh, we can fit about, um, maybe 80 people on the line at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's going to be able to get the opportunity to to set in the rifles uh, in the morning. But again, we always encourage strongly that you uh, get your stuff sighted in the day before uh, so that there's no hiccups or, or confusion. Um, and um, then it looks like the range is, you know, we're going to start the match pretty much at about 830. And on the sighted range, uh, you're going to have targets, uh, plenty of targets set up for everyone and yards marked and those sorts of things. Oh yeah, plenty of that stuff. Okay. Okay. And then um, rifle match starts and uh, 60 shots. You, I guess you're going to squad, uh, I think I saw from your website that you're going to max out at three per lane, correct? Correct. And maybe have maybe start on one overflow lane uh, or maybe a chrono station or something like that. Yeah, you know our our range is a little unique. It's not a, a circular range, so it's it's a it pretty much cul-de-sacs at the end. So um, we've we wanted to take into consideration for the folks that you know it's about 850 feet long. Uh, so by the time they they finish their lane 15 and walk back to lane one, they're going to be a little tired. Um, so one of the things we wanted to incorporate was, uh, and th- this is another thing that can handle uh, allow us to handle more uh, shooters. Is that we're going to have these these staging areas? So they'll come back from from lane 15, come to our staging area. We'll have uh, uh, one to two of those, depending on the number of signups. Um, and then they can get their heart rate down, get their you know, get a little bit more focused for for uh, 
for the lane for the first lane. Uh, we might even have our crony station up in that area as well. Uh, that's yet to be determined, but it gives them the opportunity to to refocus. I noticed that uh, in your material, you indicate that you're going to use the lab radar for the chronograph. That's right. Have you all had good experience with that so far? Have you been using it for that purpose? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was just listening to your podcast earlier about it. Um, you know, and we've we definitely um, you know had to learn it as well because it's certainly a different type of medium that uh, that we weren't used to. But uh, you know, we've got the microphone set up and and everything like that, and uh, so it, it's uh, we anticipate no problems with it. Sure. And um, and so the rifle match concludes and. Uh, so will there be lunch after the rifle match? Is that part of the um, the registration? Yeah. Yep. It's going to be on both Saturday. Um, there's going to be lunch afterwards. On Sunday, we'll have some um, something to eat after the match on uh, uh, on Sunday. But uh, the big thing is the banquet um, on Sunday. Uh, you know, it's a big change for some folks. Uh, you know, typically people are used to the big dinners on Saturday. But um, we decided to switch things out a little bit and uh, – and put uh, you know the awards banquet um, you know, with a, a pretty nice dinner. We've got some surprises up our sleeve for that uh, for that event. I guarantee uh, something that'll be quite entertaining. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be a, a good awards ceremony. We're holding that at uh, uh, Las Cendas Golf Club, which is just on the other side of the hill um, by the range there. And uh, we've had our um, you know, we hold our EBR event uh, banquet there as well. When we held our, our 2014 Nationals for Bench Trust, we held them there as well. And so they've been very good to us. And it's a beautiful, beautiful venue. Uh, just at sunset, you got the view over the valley. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a gorgeous event. Is there anything going on um, after lunch on Saturday? Uh, no. And, you know, we, we thought long and hard about this. And we... Well, actually, we will have a group photo just after um, after we finish up on Saturday. But mm-hmm. um, other than that, uh, no big event. Um, we we wanted to keep that as an opportunity for folks that uh, you know that uh, that have met some old friends that uh, you know that they've seen from across the country or across the globe. Uh, give them the opportunity to uh, to go out to dinner on their own, get a little feel for the uh, for the Arizona. Uh, culture out here and uh, give them an opportunity to go on their own for that okay sounds great no you're actually absolutely right about that um does you know we know a lot of folks online and that sort of thing but beyond the regional and maybe the grand prix it's uh you know it's once a year that we see you know uh, everybody and uh, yeah it's always great so you know, uh, go ahead garrett Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it, uh, it's amazing. You know, when you travel the country and you see, um, you know, your friends from different ranges and what have you, there's always a lot of t- lot to talk about. And um, it, it's, you know, it was one of our, our, our challenges in that we wanted to provide the greatest opportunity for people to get together and socialize. And one of the things that uh, one of our guys just said is that, you know, sometimes people just want to hang out with their buddy that they haven't seen for a long time and they just want to catch up. And that's 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 kind of what we decided um, to give the shooters the opportunity to do. Okay. And um, so the banquet, of course, is uh, the awards ceremony. And um, I I read something in your frequently asked questions or maybe somewhere on your side about, you know, the way that scores will be um, handled and maybe some sort of app or, uh, you know, phone access to scores. How is all that going to work? What's the thought behind it? 
Well, um, we've decided to use, uh, you know, instead of a big whiteboard, uh, something that could get erased or whatever, we decided to to take it up a notch and to use. Um, I don't know if you've if every, all of your shooters are familiar with this a scannable code. Sometimes you see them on trucks driving on the freeway or something, or or in some advertisement where you can take your phone and take a picture of this code. Sure. Um, so we're going to integrate that. Um, we're going to have online access, and then we're going to have um, a real time document that is updated uh, with the score. So when the scores come in. Uh, they're inputted, um, and they're 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 going to be live the moment that they're uh, um, that they're inputted, so that shooters can see um, in real time, uh, you know how everybody's looking like when they're coming in. So you know, on, on Friday night after the pistol shooters are are done, you can kind of tell who's going to be what. Um, on Saturday, you know, after after the first round, you can kind of see where the standings are at. So it's a it's a it's a nice real time opportunity to bring in people from uh, from across the globe that won't be able to to make it to this event, but they can kind of see what's going on, um, and sort of participate uh, in a virtual sense as well. So I know that you want people to go to the banquet, but if people have to split out, um, that's going to be okay. Oh, absolutely. The banquet is just optional. It's it's the the icing on the cake. You know, it's it's. It's going to be the, you know, one of the highlights of the events. Um, to be honest, um, if people need to split out, you know, we're more than happy to, uh, you know, and if they're in contention for a medal and they, they take home something, uh, you know, we're going to uh, to make sure that they get it. Right, right. Well, uh, it sounds like you've put a lot of thought and, and sweat into this so far, and I mean, it's an exciting thing. And I think that uh, having hosted a nationals uh, year before last. It's a big undertaking. There are lots of expectations, um, you know, and I, you know, I commend you for, uh, you know, thinking uh, about things in a, in a different way. There's no reason that everything always has to be the same, um, and uh, so I, I know that's a difficult thing. You know, that change is hard, um, but I think that some change can be for the better. Well, I appreciate that uh, that positive feedback. You know, it's um, it. it it took a little bit of um, courage to to step out to, uh, out of the traditional format, and um, you know when we sat sat around and and really looked at at the event and and how to plan it and uh, what have you, you know our, our group really decided to to you know to change it up a little bit to you know and and, and hopefully uh, this will be something that uh, that uh, people will appreciate down the road. Now, one thing that uh, I'm curious about is the uh, empty breach indicators and sort of the safety things that that shooters can expect um, uh, and have to comply with there at, at the range and, and on the, the course. Can you tell us about that? Sure, absolutely. Uh, safety uh, is, is first and foremost. This is an NRA range. So at our range, um, eye protection is mandatory, and that's unfortunately at all times. Uh, so when you're on the range, um, they require that uh, you have uh, safety protection, uh, say eye protection in place at all times. Um, the empty breach indicators uh, will provide for you in your swag bag. Um, it, pretty much what we're going to have is something very similar to a weed whacker line that you can place into your breach. Um, I know that uh, some people express concern about their, their spring guns and how they can cock their spring guns. But um, I, I answered something in our frequently asked questions about that. You know, you can either use a like a wooden dowel at the end of your uh, your your spring gun to indicate that the breach is empty, or uh, you can insert your empty breach indicators um, through that end. Um, you know, obviously, we don't want to have people walking around with their cocked rifles. Sure. But um, 
the primary concern is that um, when the rifles are in the caddies, that uh, you know that uh, somebody is not uh, having the rifle pointed at them with uh, without some form of indicator in place that uh, that lets them know that the rifle is safe. And there's no restriction against a, a gun caddy so long as there's something in the breech of the rifle indicating that that it's not uh, not cocked and loaded. I guess. Correct. Okay. And it, the the weed whacker string doesn't have to go all the way through the barrel. It just needs to go into the breech end, right? Right. Okay. Okay. And eye protection for those that wear prescription lenses is do they need additional eye protection or is the no? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can call it you know readers. If uh, you know if if readers protect your eyes and and you feel that they're going to protect your eyes, heck, you can wear those. Okay. Okay. Uh, what else, uh, safety-wise, should shooters expect, or is that about it? Just be careful, uh, make sure the gun's cocked, pointing down range, and all that before you load it, and that, that yeah, sort of thing. You know, at the sight-in range, uh, we're we're going to talk about some more safety stuff. Uh, you know, as as it gets uh, near, you know, we're gonna we'll have some material in the uh, uh, in your swag bag that can talk that'll talk about it. Um, you know, but just as in any public range, um, you know, we obviously. Don't want shooters uh, running to their benches while there's folks downrange, um, while they're, while we're changing out targets, or, or if it's a cold line, um, just the usual stuff. But um, nothing that uh, people will be confused about when they when they come. It'll be very clearly marked. We'll talk about it ad nauseum as as time gets closer. And it'll be the standard after divisions, no unlimited or freestyle. That is correct. We did have some requests about that. Why didn't Actually, you go that way? Well, um, this is an after event, um, and you know we, you know, we were thinking that, um, you know, there's a, a lot of discussion about that. Uh, there's a lot of push in our, um, you know, even in our club to uh, to do the unlimited style, freestyle, or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, but you know, bottom line, this is a, an after event with after rules, and and uh, unlimited is not a part of the after arena yet. Okay, and. Um what else? How many does it take to make a division? I know that last couple of years, open uh, piston has been uh, waning a bit. Uh, how many open piston shooters, for example, would you need before you roll them into the open PCP division? Uh, that's a good question. Um, we're planning on having, you know, as, as long as there's a competitive environment, um, as, as long as, uh, you know, the details on that are probably going to be worked out as we get closer, but, um, we're anticipating that uh, at least two, probably three shooters, um, for for each class. Uh, yeah. What about uh, one one thing that? Well, I'll, I'll go back to that question. Uh, but I, I want to return just briefly to the um, the unlimited and freestyle. Is that something that you all run at your on your club level matches? Yeah, we sure do. Um, you know, typically we see about a third of our population like to get into that class. It's a great class because it really gives new people uh, the opportunity to use what they're used to and give them the opportunity for success. You know, anytime that uh, assistive devices are used um, in the shooting arena, you know, you're obviously you can always expect higher scores. You know, that's something that uh, that we expect. Uh, once they start to get good, you know, heck, then they're competing with the, you know, the, the higher end shooters, you know, with all their assistive devices. But, um, 
you know, it really adds uh, a uh, like a, a bridge for the people that are not familiar with the sport uh, to come in with their tripods, with their rangefinders, and everything that they feel comfortable with shooting to give them the opportunity to feel that they've been successful. We've had shooters um, come out and try to plop themselves into an open position or in a hunter class, and they're leaving with five or six shots out of out of 30 you know or or so and and that's really uh, discouraging for these guys so uh in order to really get them hooked you know that that unlimited class is something that we find uh is is pretty successful okay and uh and and so is it a sure thing that that won't be an option uh, at this point or for the nationals or, and or is it possible that you'll uh, reconsider that Everything is possible at this point, but okay. um, what we need to, um, you know, this is an AFTA event, and if uh, we get the green light from AFTA to uh, uh, to move forward with this, then, um, you know, we'll be more than happy to oblige. Um, one of the things that uh, we would certainly need to evaluate is, is how we would uh, handle the, the prizes for that. Um, we're working behind the scenes diligently, uh, <laughs> actually exhaustively. To uh, to work on having a, a very very substantial uh, prize list okay. um, for all of our classes, um, and so there, we've got some unique tricks up our sleeve that we can always talk about a little bit later, but um, that we're looking to um, you know for sponsorship and the things like that for for our winners. We're we're really looking to hit a home run with that. All right, and uh, a question about tiebreakers and and shootoffs. So on your fact list you got uh the three eighths inch target starting at 15 yards right yep and then um each shooter two shots for their turn does that mean what does that mean exactly does it mean each shooter gets two shots and if they both hit it twice they go that it's moved out or if one hits once and misses once and the other hits twice the other one's a winner yeah got it yeah. So it's not a sudden death. It's, uh, you know, if you, instead of going back, forth, back, forth, uh, you get two opportunities, you know, and if the second guy, uh, you know, if the first guy gets two shots, the second guy gets one shot and the first guy wins it. Got it. Okay. So in other words, you don't get two shots to knock it down. If you knock it down twice and the other person knocks it down once, the person who knocks it down twice wins. Yep. Okay. Understood. Let me see if I have any other questions for you just from the current and uh, and I know that you've updated the the questions list because as I was looking at this last week, it's different today. Uh, oh, yeah. I should should have spent more time looking at it uh, before we talked tonight. No, I think we've uh, we've covered. So, what is the maximum number of shooters that you're currently planning to allow to register? Uh, as it stands now, uh, since we've dropped our lane counts from 17 to 15. Uh, it, uh, it looks like we're going to cap at about 114. Okay. And that's for uh, rifle shooters. And what are you going to do for pistols? Pistol shooters, let me take a look here off the top of my head. I believe it is uh, 48, I believe it is. Let me double check on that. Uh, yep, 48 shooters. Okay. And, uh, well, I'll ask the question uh, because... Uh, I've already registered. So registration is a bit higher this year. Um, you, you, it's bumped up to 165. And is that uh, in large part because of the banquet and the prizes? and uh, or, or was that a club decision that had to be made to justify 
the nationals being there? No, it, um, you know, typically when we hold an event, um, we want to do everything in our power to offer a first class event. Um, and with a first class event comes expenses. Um, a lot of people don't understand the expenses that are involved with putting on, um, a big event. Um, it's easy to do it for cheap, but then, uh, nothing, uh, uh, comes from that. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking to offer great meals. Um, the banquet is certainly something that's, um, a formidable expense. Um, but, uh, it, it's going to be worth every penny. Um, you know, it, it's a real nice, um, nice finishing to the event. Um, that was one of the big expenses. And then just being able to provide everything from, uh, some good lunches, uh, to snacks and things like that. Awesome. Well, you know, if you put that in perspective, uh, when you put in the cost of travel and hotel and food and things like that, um, you know, it's it's it certainly doesn't seem to me to be out of line with uh, other shooting events on a, of a championship nature. Oh yeah, you know, we've we've looked at um, you know a lot of the firearm events uh, that that are held at Rio Salado, and typically, I mean. The, the, some of those events, I mean, we're, we're talking in the 250 range, um, if not more, uh, for these big events. Um, you know, and again, we typically like to put in as much as we can into the shooting experience for the shooters. Um, and we typically like to reinvest most of what um, the revenue that comes in back into the event. And, um, you know, as, as uh, people start to register and uh, sponsorship grows, uh, you know, we'll be doing more and making more announcements on, on things that are, that'll, that'll be coming, uh, the way of the shooters. One question that, uh, seems to change from year to year. Uh, every time I go to a nationals, it's handled a little bit differently. Uh, how are you all handling the teams? Um, I believe the rules say, I believe it's five shooters per team or, um, not sure off the top of my head, but um, anybody who wants to register for a team when they sign in uh, or when they sign up, um, there's a spot that they can enter the team that they're involved in. And uh, and as we get closer, uh, you know, we'll plug those into our spreadsheet and see who uh, uh, who registered for what team. And if there's more or less, we'll be able to uh, communicate with those team leaders. Okay. And are the teams going to be limited to people from a geographic area or are you going to allow um, – you know, for example, a, a manufacturer teams or what, yep. what, okay. Any, anything you want to, I mean, if you want to be the redheaded stepchilds, uh, you can be the redheaded stepchild. It, it doesn't matter. Um, whatever team name that you guys come up with, that's creative. We'll endorse. Okay. And are there rules about, uh, a certain number of team members from different divisions or can you have like five or four WFTF guys on one team? Or have you, has that been thought through yet? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the details of that hasn't been fully knocked out yet. But, okay. um, you know, if there's, uh, you know, obviously it depends on how many shooters are going to be registered. So if you're going to have, you know, only a handful of shooters to begin with, um, you know, taking up the majority. I mean, obviously you want to have teams competing against other teams sure. uh, rather than just having a standalone. Okay. Okay. So the the... 10,000 foot view is, is that, um, you can form teams, uh, there are no geographic limits and, uh, the, there is a question about, uh, like, for example, you know, the number of different divisions represented on each team. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, 
Garrett, is there anything else at this point uh, that you would like to tell the listeners about about the match there or about the club? No, I think we've we've covered quite a bit. Um, you know, I know I've had a lot of people ask um, who've been interested in coming from uh, uh, international um, uh, clubs and what have you, and, and and foreign countries. And you know, obviously, we we certainly welcome anybody who chooses to to shoot with us. Uh, so we we have a little bit of information that we can provide to those shooters as well. If you're interested in coming in from out of the country, sometimes that can be a little bit of a struggle. But um, you know, we have the resources in place that can help you out. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we're just really excited about it. We're spending a lot of time making sure all the, um, the details are covered. Um, and, uh, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're guaranteeing that you're going to have a good time during this event. So Garrett, are there going to be any opportunities for warm up matches as, as we get close to the nationals in November? Well, one of the things about uh, living in the desert is that, uh, you know, it does get hot here in the summer. And, uh, unfortunately the, uh, it gets so hot that uh, we can't hold our field target matches during the summer. Um, there are, uh, you know, we'll be shooting in uh, March here. We'll be shooting in April. Uh, May is still on the table, uh, depending on the weather and how it's going to look like. If it gets really hot, then we'll we'll scrub May. Um, and um, and October, uh, that's, uh, you know, we'll start up in October. Uh, but again, it's always weather dependent here. Um, but anything in between there, we, we pretty much... Uh, uh, we pretty much close shop. Uh, okay. You know, we have. Is there? Um, I know that you all are hosting the EBR again, and that has a. Um, it, will there be any opportunity there for for uh, field target shooting apart from the, the high power? Um, you know, that's a very good question. Um, I'll certainly uh, take that in consideration and think about that a little bit, and we can, uh, you know, maybe talk about that as as the time gets closer. Well, you know, I think it's a couple of weeks or so before it might be a good opportunity um, for those that, that can make the trip to at least have a chance to shoot out there. I saw uh, also on your uh, fact that uh, you can ship in your, your gear if you'd like to, and you've got a, oh, yeah. a safe place for that to be until the shooters arrive. Yeah, a lot of times when people, you know, fly in from far away, you know, we've got uh, some East East Coasters that, uh, that fly in, again, from some... Uh, Shooters from abroad like to come in from Europe, from England. Um, they, you know, typically uh, don't want to deal with the struggle of going through customs and what have you. So we've worked out a partnership with uh, Air Guns of Arizona. Uh, they're willing to accept your rifle or pistol if you send it in. Uh, the details are on our website for that. And uh, they'll hold on to it for um, for you to come in and pick up uh, just before the, uh, the event. And if you... Um, want to send it back out again, um, uh, they can help you out with that as well. Um, you know, obviously there's the shipping costs and stuff that sure. the shooter has to pick up, but, uh, you know, they, um, they do this for, uh, for a profession. So That's they're awesome. really good. Well, so if, if that happens, will the, the gun be at air guns of Arizona or will they bring it out to the, to the range? No. Uh, no, it will be at, uh, air guns of Arizona. It's a logistical nightmare to make sure that, uh, everything sure. is, is brought to the range. So they, they want to keep it safe and what have you. So they, they ask that you come down there and, you know, obviously be able to show ID and, and the like. How far is that from your range? Oh, I would say maybe 30 minutes, 35 minutes, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not too far. Okay. Let me see. Is there anything else that I wanted to ask you? Garrett, I think we covered it. I think we, we spent about 45 minutes here talking about it, and we covered uh, a whole lot of ground, and I really would appreciate it if you come back on later this year. 
uh, maybe when there's a month or so to go. And uh, I'm excited about shooting out there. It'll be my first time shooting sort of west of the Mississippi. And yeah. uh, and, and it's going to be a, a unique opportunity and something very different than, than what we have back east. You know, a lot of people really just look forward to coming to the desert to shoot. Um, you know, the great part about this area in November, um, while the, most of the rest of the country is, is going to be getting their jackets, their down coats out, the, you know, the raincoats and the like, you know, we're still wearing our shorts out here. So it's uh, it's a real nice reprieve um, right. that time of year for uh, for folks just before the, uh, you know, the holiday season kicks up and, uh, uh, you know, puts a nice uh, a nice uh, finish to the to the season. All right, Garrett. Well, it's nice to meet you here on the Field Target Podcast and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. And thank you all for listening in on the show this evening. We hope that uh, it has brought some value to your Field Target experience. And if you're thinking about the Nationals this year in Phoenix, hope that it'll give you some insight into what to expect. If you're interested in uh, a discovery or getting a uh, Crosman product repaired, reach out to Discos R Us. They kindly support the Field Target podcast. Reach out to Joe there. there his website is discosrus.net. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-U-S dot net. And support them because they're supporting the Field Target podcast and making it possible. Hope everyone has a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.